What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast with your host, Matthew Bruni. You can hit me up at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. All right, what is going on, guys? It is Monday, October 1st. We have reached October and are the halfway point, or not the halfway point, the quarterway point of our fantasy seasons, especially with the game ending tonight. Most of you sitting at 0 and 4, 1 and 3, 2 and 2, 3 and 1, or 4 and 0. Hopefully, the latter of those two at 3 and 1 and 4 and 0. But, you know, if you're sitting at you know, at a losing record of 500, there's still time to turn it around, guys. We're only four weeks into the fantasy season. With that being said, we had crazy great games this weekend. A lot of great fantasy performances. Some teams getting fucked, <clears throat> the Browns. Uh, but other than that, you know, just awesome game Sunday. Hopefully open for a, a good game tonight between the Broncos and the Chiefs. Me personally hoping... That the Broncos stumble a little bit, or at least Royce Freeman stumbles a little bit because I'm going up against him in a couple of leagues, and I need him to kind of crap the bed here, guys. Not not going to lie about it. It's, it's really about my fantasy team at the moment. But with all that being said, today's podcast, we are going to get into the breaking news, which is mostly injury stuff, and then one key signing for a defense, which... I'm really intrigued about it. I'm surprised that he lasted on the free agency market this long and jumping into a defense that, in my opinion, is already a really good defense. It's going to make things very interesting for that team. After the breaking news, we will go in and break down all of the early Sunday games again. Guys, uh, just going to continue to do it all year long. I, I like the way that it flows with the Monday podcast and my t- and doing my stuff on Tuesday. Uh, so we'll do all of the early morning or early afternoon Sunday games today, all the afternoon and the late night Sunday night game on Tuesday. And then after that, we'll get into the Monday night breakdown for tonight's game between the Kansas City Chiefs, Patty Ice going up against that vaunted Denver Broncos defense anchored by uh, Vaughn Miller. I don't know why I was about to call I was literally, guys, about to call him Le'Veon Miller for some reason because I'm an idiot. Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb with my guy, Philip freaking Lindsay. Love that kid. So, with all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into that breaking news for today. All right, so like I said earlier, most of the stuff we've got here news-wise is all injury-related, starting with, (laughs) in my opinion, one of the more funnier ones in Earl Thomas. Uh, Not funny that he got injured, what happened after the fact. Uh, That was probably a bad way of putting that. Uh, Earl Thomas has a right leg fracture. After uh, after the fact, he uh, gave the Seahawks sideline the one-finger salute. Uh, I think they... uh, honestly deserved it uh this whole thing with with him has just been ridiculous and I know this isn't fantasy related but I'm just gonna 
give my two cents on it, man. Earl Thomas has been, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame player this whole time. You know, was great in college at UT, has just been a phenomenal safety in the league. One of the best was the anchor of that Legion of Boom with Bobby Wagner and Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor. I mean, these dudes, this defense, whether you loved him or hate him, was legit. And to see this guy get traded the way he did, not given a new contract, all he asked was to get traded out there. And the Cowboys offered a second-round pick for that dude. Now, I get it. Hall of Famer. You know, probably worth more than a second-round pick, but you weren't going to get anything more from him, guys. Like, clearly, nobody else was offering anything else or he would have been moved. You take the second-round pick, you let the guy move on, get get a chance to sign with an organization he wanted to go play for, but no, they wouldn't give him a new contract. They wouldn't trade him. Dude finally has to end up coming in, doesn't practice all week, comes in last week and picks off two Picks, uh, picks off the quarterback twice. You know, he's just balling out, and then he ends up now breaking his leg. He's going to be out for the rest of the year, and there's no guarantee that this guy's going to get paid what he's worth on the free agent market next year. It's complete bullshit. I, I really do feel bad for the guy, and, you know, I know a lot of people uh, were really upset with him giving the, the one-finger salute there to the Seahawks sideline, but I thought it was well and just. I thought it was funny. Uh, you know, I thought good for you, man, because I probably would have done the same thing in that situation. So, sucks to see your old Thomas get knocked out like that. I'm hoping for the best for him. Hope uh, he gets a great recovery, and I, I would love to see him get paid, you know, just a great amount of money, a crazy amount of money next offseason. Hope everything works out for him. Next, uh, next up, uh, Tied in OJ Howard suffered a sprained MCL. Uh, probably going to be out for I believe it was first reported two to four weeks. Um, not sure really. Uh, MCL is again almost kind of what uh, Aaron Rodgers is dealing with right now. Um, I can't imagine he comes back even in four weeks. If I'm being honest, so I really think that uh, you know leans more on Cameron Brait, which in in my opinion was going to go more toward Cameron Brait anyway. The connection him and Winston have is why Cameron Brait got paid last off season anyways. Uh, so you know with OJ Howard being out, I think this just kind of jumps Brait up even more uh, than he was kind of jumping up with Winston coming back. Uh, Rob Gronkowski is Rob Gronkowski is day to day with his ankle injury. It's kind of what held him out and limited him in the game Sunday. Uh, not expected to be anything serious, so I would imagine he's probably not going to play much this week or practice much this week. But he'll be fine come Thursday with the Colts. However, guys, let's just remember this is the Patriots. Uh, they've done weird stuff before, so Gronk is definitely something we have to watch with them having the early game this week because we've seen. Belichick before hold these guys out if he doesn't feel that they're good enough to contribute to the team so definitely something to watch uh, but they're not saying it's serious so I would you know I I guess I'm not worried about it at least right now but if if things change going throughout the week we'll obviously bring that up Uh, James Winston has been announced to be the starter for the Buccaneers versus the Falcons Uh, not surprising though I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick played bad Sunday I think that was more just the Bucs defense just getting blasted by that Chicago offense and Charles Nagy you know with he even though he didn't look great he didn't look good Winston came in I thought he looked even worse than Fitzpatrick but Winston's likely their guy and their franchise guy going forward so he's already getting the start versus the Falcons and will likely go 
from their from their forward. I mean, they they don't play until week six uh, because the Bucks have a bye week this week anyway, so not too much. But hey, if Winston's on your waiver wire and redrafts, go and grab him. I mean, he's still a, a decent quarterback, likely a middle tier to top tier quarterback that you could possibly get off waivers because many people likely weren't paying attention or don't have him at least at this point. And then last but not least, the Pan the Carolina Panthers signing Eric. Reed to a one-year deal I thought was not just an awesome move by the Panthers organization but a great move for this defense so for those of you who don't know Eric Reed has kind of been cast out or an outcast to NFL teams and GMs due to his kneeling uh, with Colin Kaepernick uh, on the sideline a couple years ago uh, there was a lot of talk about it. Obviously, he was kind of like the the next guy that kind of stood, or I guess, I don't want to say stood up, um, but knelt with Kaepernick is, is technically what he did, uh, which obviously upset not just fans, people, but front offices, coaches, owners. And so a lot of people felt like he was uh, being blackballed and everything because of that, especially because he's been rated by a... Pro Football Focus, who's one of the premier ranking sites uh, when it comes to, you know, offensive lines, defensive lines, defensive players, and just breakdowns of positional rankings. Uh, He was rated as a, I believe, the 29th safety last year. Well, that that's a starting safety. Is you're you're usually starting about 64 of them. Is you're you're getting a a two starters on or a starter on each side of the field so two starters for each team so he was in the upper half of the of them in the NFL you know a great player very good player at least at at worst he was a pro caliber safety just a couple years ago and the Panthers got him and I think that's great news for them he's he's gonna lock up the back end of that defense make them even better you know they're already coming out saying it was just a football decision and whether you agree with or don't agree with the kneeling stuff, you know, he, he has actually come out and said that he doesn't know what he's going to do yet. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't want to get into that political side of it, so I won't give my opinion on it uh, just because I, I, it never ends well, whether you're for it or against it, because you're going to have people on either side coming at you. Um, you know, if, if you really want to know my stance, you can find it on Twitter. I don't hide behind it. Um, but just for the for the podcast sake, I'm gonna just leave that part out. But I do hope he he is continues to have a su- successful career. Dude's been legit, uh, a really good player for a long time, and I really think he has a chance to come in here and help this Panthers defense be even better than they were. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into the breakdown of the early Sunday game. So the first one we will get on to is the 1-3 New York Jets losing to the now 3-1 Jacksonville Jaguars 12-21. On New York side of things here, Sam Darnold struggled yet again. Uh, just threw for 167 yards, did get the touchdown, but... Darnold is just going for an average right around five yards uh, in each game, whether that's his passes or what he's averaging altogether. Uh, you know, they're really playing conservative with him. I personally don't think you can trust him really going forward. I think he's a great quarterback. He's shown a great, a, a lot of great things and could be someone, especially in dynasty formats, who could come through. But this year, I think he's just he's not going to come through for you any week. Uh, on the rushing side of, he- side of things here for the Jets, nobody showed up. You know, Sam... Uh, 
Bilal Powell, just 26 yards on eight carries. Isaiah Crowell, zero yards on four carries. They just struggled all around to get anything going on this offense. Which, I mean, it realistically makes sense because they were going up against an elite defense. Uh, however, Quincy Nunwa, again, as, as we talked about on Friday's podcast, did come through in the slot here, or at least did the best on this team, with 66 yards on just four catches. Uh, Bilal Powell was their next best receiver coming out of the backfield, adding another 26 yards onto his rushing uh, at 26 yards as well. So, you know, like I said, nobody really did anything here in this offense. They just they struggled all day against that elite Jaguars defense. You know, we'll hope for better things to come in the future for these guys. But as of right now, I think, at least in my opinion, you can kind of avoid all these guys, but a noon one pal. They're the only two that interest me somewhat just because a noon one is being fed the ball by Darnold and being in the slot, he's usually going to get the better matchups. And then Powell, just because I feel like the Jets are going to be behind more often than ahead, so that means Powell is likely going to get the ball and hurry up offense. Uh, on the Jaguars side of things here, uh, Blake Bortles came through for you, 388 yards in the air with two touchdowns and an interception, getting you just about 25 fantasy points. Uh, you know, that's exactly what you're hoping for from uh, from from Blake Bortles. He, he can be that top-tiered quarterback when playing, especially with the defense and they're allowing him to throw the ball or against a poor defense. Uh, I did finish his like, quarterback 10 this week. So again, he came through for you here, and that's exactly what to expect from him, it seems like, every other game. Won't, he probably won't do that next week, but the week after, look for uh, old Blakey Bortles to come through for you in fantasy. On the rushing side of things here, so Leonard Fournette uh, did get 30 yards on 11 carries, but got pulled early again due to the hamstring issue. Uh, and they're already come out and said they don't know how long this one's going to take for him to heal. It took two weeks last time. They're hoping that it only takes a week or two this time, but there's really no way to determine that at this point. Uh, TJ Yeldon came in here and performed admirably for him, putting up about 22 points this week. Uh, about th- only 30 yards uh, on the ground for Yeldon, uh, rushing-wise, but also put up 48 yards and a touch. Uh, and I'm sorry, he scored rushing as well. I was not paying that close attention. Uh, scored rushing and and in the passing game with adding an extra 48 yards there. Uh, just looked really good. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people, including myself, were worried about Corey Grant. He had been showing up and kind of stealing some plays away from Yeldon in the past. Did a really good job here, kind of balling out and showing us exactly what, if you were a Fournette owner, you were hoping he would be able to do. In the passing game here, uh, you know, the best guy here, D.D. Westbrook, just uh, with nine catches on 130 yards. Dante Moncrief did score here, also going over 100 yards with 109. Uh, For me, it's still Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook are the guys I want to own in this offense. D.D. Westbrook just getting the 15 yards on two catches. Uh, Both these guys, you know, they're they're really good. Uh, D.D. Westbrook just seems to be playing a little bit better, so you might want to lead him, but I wouldn't give up quite yet on D.D. Westbrook. I'm sorry, on Keelan Cole. Next game up, we had the 3-1 Miami Dolphins losing to the 2-2 New England Patriots, 7-38. On the Dolphins' side of things here, Ryan Tannehill struggled mightily. Uh, Just 100 yards on 20 attempts. You know, no touchdowns, did throw an interception. This offense just looked bad all day long. Uh, Brock Osweiler even came in, didn't do much better. Uh, Rushing-wise here, just Frank Gore, 41 yards on 11 carries. You know, 
Kenyon Drake just continues to just not be used and not get anything at all. Just three yards on three carries. I mean, I don't I don't even know what to say anymore for for Kenyon Drake. It, it's getting to be ridiculous. I don't understand what is going on with Adam Gase and why he doesn't use this guy. He's shown flashes of talent. He looked legit last year. There's no way that that was just a fluke. In my opinion, I don't understand why this guy is not getting the ball. In the receiving game, Kenny Stills. You know, the only one who really came through, 40 yards. Um, Danny Amendola got only two receptions, 20 yards. Frank Gore did score a touchdown uh, in the receiving game with a 16-yard catch, and obviously Kenyon Drake obviously uh, produced as well with one catch and 13 yards. So, yeah, this offense just it looked poor. Probably a, a product of the fact they were going up against the Patriots. They know each other well, very good divisional opponents. Uh, you know, usually the Dolphins get one up on the Patriots. Maybe that's next time they play, uh, but they just look poor here altogether as a whole. Patriots side of things here, Tom Brady looked like he bounced back somewhat. Uh, 274, three touchdowns, two interceptions. A decent game uh, and decent day here for fantasy. Getting you right around 21 points, uh, finishing right about 14 on the week. Uh, Sony Michelle in the rushing game finally came through and showed everybody who drafted him early in Dynasty drafts or in your redraft leagues were hoping for and him becoming the starting running back. We talked about it last week with Rex Burkhead being out that Michelle would get an uptick in carries, 25 carries for 112 yards and a touchdown. Just looked great here. Of course, James White continues to dominate this backfield. 44 yards on the ground with the touchdown and 50, um, 68 yards in the receiving game with the touchdown as well. I think if you've got both of these guys, they can both be RB2s going forward. Uh, this is one of the few defenses I think that can uh, produce more than uh, one running back uh, for fantasy-wise. And with the amount of work that James White gets in the receiving game is just ridiculous. I think that's going to continue for him. And Sony Michelle will be leaned heavily on rushing-wise. So for, so going forward, both of these guys looking good, as at least as while Rex Burkhead is out. In the receiving game here, so we had three guys score. Um, obviously, James White we just talked about. The other two guys literally for me don't do much for me fantasy-wise, but it was Philip Dorsett and... Cordero Patterson, uh, Dorsett with 55 yards in the touch. Cordero Patterson with 54 yards and a touch. Uh, all of his really coming on that one play. Gronk here, of course, we talked about with the injury to the ankle. Just 44 yards on four receptions. Uh, you know, not much expected from him with that ankle injury. Again, we definitely need to watch him going forward, especially for that Thursday night game. Josh Gordon uh, got in here, played a little bit, just two receptions and 32 yards, but I liked it. He said he was feeling good after the game, really felt comfortable in the offense. So interested to see where that goes going forward because, uh, as we talked about on Friday's podcast as well, with this Thursday night game, they are getting Julian Edelman back, and he is Tom Brady's go-to guy. So, I'm not really sure what this is going to mean much for this wide receiver core. Uh, I don't know if Edelman is going to be fully ready to go this week. Uh, so, I really do still want to see what Hogan and Gordon and Patterson and Dorsett can do. Uh, though, Gordon is, for me, the next guy I would trust outside of Edelman. Uh, if Edelman is good to go and he plays, I would imagine he plays but kind of gets a lot of plays in the offense. We'll see how much Brady leans on him. Uh, but I definitely liked what I saw out of Gordon, even though it was really only 32 yards on the two catches. And then, of course, Chris Hogan, absolutely nothing. Yet again this week with just 25 yards on one catch. 
Next up, we had what turned out to be a thrilling overtime game in the Philadelphia Eagles, who are 2-2, two and two, losing to the now 3-1 and one Tennessee Titans, 23-26. On Philly's side of things here, Carson Wentz looked back, baby. 348 yards in the air, two touchdowns, you know, struggled at times, but just had a great game against a really good Tennessee Titans defense. Uh, You know, I'm really liking what Wentz looked like in this game. Uh, I think he's going to be back to full on what 2018 Carson Wentz was last year, uh, probably by next week. He he looked really good against this defense. Glad to see him back. In uh, in the rushing game here, uh, Jay Ajayi, uh, surprisingly for me, uh, at the time that I did the Friday podcast, he wasn't really, ex- he was cleared to play, but wasn't, I don't think, expected to do much. Uh, he has a small fracture in his back, and from what he came out and said is it's mostly a pain management thing. He can play as long as he doesn't feel the pain, so he's going to keep playing as long as he doesn't feel much pain uh came through here really 70 yards on 15 carries you know 4.7 average is not bad didn't get the score which would obviously help but still you know 17 yards on the ground is is nothing to scoff at for a running back uh seven points you know while not exactly what you would hope especially when you see some of the scores that these guys like Alvin Kamara and Barkley Zeke Cohen all those guys put through put up this week uh but still Likely you did not draft J.H.I. to be your number one or possibly even your RB2. He's more likely drafted in the RB3, RB4 range. So definitely put up decent numbers at least for that. Uh, in the receiving game here for Philly, Hal Sean Jeffrey. Boy, did I get that one wrong. Uh, I thought he would come in and be more of a decoy here. Gets 105 yards and a touchdown. Just looked good. Uh he, I think he's going to continue to look good with Carson Wentz here. Definitely going to be a wide receiver too going forward. Um, you know, I, I think obviously the longer the longer we go here, the more healthier he's going to get, so the better he's going to be. But to see him already come back in week four and look that good right off the bat, I thought was a promising sign for him and the Eagles going forward. Zach Ertz here, another big game, 112 yards on 10 catches, you know, especially in a... PPR league, he's just putting up points for you again. One of the best tight ends in the league, if not the best. Nelson Aguilar uh, struggled here and was a complete disappointment. I really thought he was going to have a good game here against this Titans defense. Just 22 yards on five catches. And then, of course, Jordan Matthews, who I still don't trust for fantasy, uh, but did have the one catch for 56 yards and a touchdown. All that coming on the one play where he outran everybody, which honestly was extremely surprising to me. On the Titans side of things here, so Marcus Mariota came through for us, which uh, was pretty surprising especially uh the fact that not anybody or especially me and a lot of people didn't think he's going to be able to play very good with that elbow issue uh he shut all of us up 344 yards two touchdowns and an interception added 46 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown as well and this is just prime marcus mariota this is what we've been hoping for hoping to see out of him hopefully this is what he looks like going forward i mean Finishes the top 10 quarterback this week, 31 points on the week. Just all out great, great job. And against a really, really good defense, one of the top five in, in the NFC. Uh, so kind of put up that that performance, I think, is good going forward. Unfortunately, nobody else did anything in the rushing game besides Marcus Mariota. Derrick Henry, just 24 yards on the ground with eight carries. Deion Lewis, nothing on the ground. Uh, Deion Lewis did contribute in the passing game, though, with the 66 catches on nine receptions. I, 
I personally don't understand why they keep going to Derrick Henry. I think they need to feed Deion Lewis the ball here. I think he's the much better back. Uh, it's quite struggle, or it's quite frustrating, in my opinion, to see them keep keep dealing with Derrick Henry. He's just not that good at football. In the receiving game, uh, I mean, we finally, finally got to saw or got to see Corey Davis's breakout game. I mean, he balled out here. Nine receptions, 161 yards, and then the touchdown to seal the victory in overtime for the Titans. This is exactly, if you've been a Corey Davis truther or believer since he came out in the draft, this is what you've been hoping for. This is what you've been predicting him to do all along. Can he sustain it going forward? I honestly don't think so, but it was great to see. Um, you know, hopefully he can do at least something like this every week. It, it doesn't obviously have to be 161 yards and a touchdown every week, although Corey Davis owners, I'm sure, would love it. Uh, just for him to consistently produce in this offense is all that we're hoping for and expecting going forward now, especially with Mariota looking healthy and just Davis balling out. Uh, the only other guy who really did come through here, Taiwan Taylor, seven yard, uh, 77 yards on seven catches. Did look good. Again, his speed is just deadly. If he gets the ball in the open field, he can make people miss. I really like the way he looked in this game. And then, of course, Tajay Sharp did score as well, but just a 27 point or 27 yards. I'm not expecting him to do anything for fantasy going forward. The next game, another OT game, the now one and three Houston Texans uh, beating the one and three Indianapolis Colts 37 to 34. For the Texans here, uh, Deshaun Watson finally looked good again. 375, two touchdowns and an interception. Um, you know, I like the way Watson looked. Um, he also added 41 yards on the ground and a touchdown as well. Uh, finally looked like he's starting to return to that form that he had last year before the injury again. We, we sometimes get so hyped up on these guys when they return after an injury, especially an ACL injury. we got to remember, not everybody is Adrian Peterson and a freak of nature. I feel like he kind of ruined that injury for everybody. Uh, we expect these guys to come back the next year, no matter when the injury occurred, and just be, you know, the, the players that they showed the year before, ball out, just destroy offense, defense, whatever side they're on with their play. And it's just not realistic. You know, this offensive line is horrible. Uh, he realistically only has two good weapons, in my opinion, in DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. So to see him play like this, uh, he's had a couple good games now, or at least two good games. Uh, so hopefully we can see this moving forward, but I really liked what I saw out of him in this game. Uh, really looking forward to him uh, again next week. You know, uh, uh, finishes a top six, I believe, the sixth quarterback this week, so Great to see him back up there in the top 10 uh, fantasy quarterbacks and hoping this continues moving forward. And, of course, he does have uh, Dallas next week. That's what I was trying to say before I got on to the uh, him finishing as the sixth quarterback. So getting to go up against a really talented defense in Dallas next week I think is going to be interesting to see going forward. Uh, in the ground game here, uh, Lamar Miller comes up extremely average yet again, which is 49 yards on 14 carries. Uh, you know, he's he's a fake bell cow is a way I would word it. Uh, he gets a lot of work, uh, but just never seems to be able to produce with it, at least these past couple years. He was, uh, don't get me wrong, very good, uh, easily an RB1-2 to two, 
before this, especially in Miami and even that first year in Houston. But I feel like he's really struggled the past couple of years. Um, you know, I've said before that I think Donta Foreman will take over this backfield when he once he comes back. He can't come back for another couple of weeks, uh, and then I would imagine it's still going to take him a couple of weeks to get back into football shape. Uh, but I could easily see probably by week 10 or 11, Donta Foreman taking over control of this backfield away from Lamar Miller, especially with as mediocre as he has been. Uh, in the receiving game here, so Will Fuller came through with a touchdown uh, and 49 yards, but did get um, a little bit of an ankle injury during the game and was kind of held out from there. Uh, haven't really heard if it's anything serious, so I'd imagine he'd be fine. They probably uh, just didn't want to risk putting him back out there. Uh, he has tended to be injury-prone throughout his career so far, so probably a smart move on their part. Uh, Kiki Kuti came through a little bit here, uh, surprisingly, in the slot. I was not expecting much from him, but it was nice to see. He got 109 yards on 11 catches. Uh, he's a guy who I think could really make this offense one of the elite offenses in the league if he can start coming through and producing not necessarily over 100 yards every week, but just showing something being dangerous in that slot because right now most defenses know they have to cover DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller now. They still haven't been able to do it as we've seen throughout this year so far and how well they produced, but it would be great for that offense if they had that third threat, especially coming out of the slot in QT. Uh, and then, of course, they're, they're number one, their all-star, DeAndre Hopkins, 169 yards on 10 catches and a touchdown. Dude just balled out yet again, continues to do it. Um, you know, <clears throat> we will see how this works going forward, especially if uh, Will Fuller is going to be out for multiple weeks. We've seen how well DeAndre Hopkins handles the workload. He's a top-tier elite wide receiver when Fuller is out. Clearly came through this week with 27 points. Just an all-around stud, uh, you know, I mean, there's really not much else you can say about the guy. He's he's easily a top three talent and showed it this week by finishing third at wide receiver. On the Colts side of things here, I mean, Andrew Luck, man, I don't know what to say about this guy. 464 yards in the air with four touchdowns on 62 attempts. They just have this guy out there throwing every play because they don't have anybody who can run the ball. I mean, it's just ridiculous. A lot of people talking about how this guy has an injured shoulder. In my opinion, obviously, it's not that bad if he's able to go out there and sling the ball 62 times in one game. Look, I mean, uh, he, he has had two down weeks the past two weeks, not necessarily throwing uh, for as many yards, but still throwing uh, the ball a lot. Obviously, 62 times is just ridiculous. This is what we're going to get out of this guy every week. I mean, I, I don't see how you can sit him. Uh, obviously... Like I said, the last two weeks weren't great overall, but still produced somewhat. Obviously finishes their number third quarterback this week with over 37 points. Um, I mean, I can't imagine that he's going to be throwing the ball 62 times every week. Uh, but on the weeks that he is throwing the ball, I mean, he's just slinging it and looking like old school Andrew Luck. And I, I'm really liking where he's at and progressing through this injury. On the rushing side of things, as I just touched on, I mean, absolutely nothing Wilkins, 16 yards. Naheem Hines, 10 yards. Andrew Luck had 11 yards rushing. You know, they just can't seem to get the ball going. Maybe they do need Marlon Mack back. I personally am not much of a Mack believer. I think he's mediocre at best. Uh, but maybe he can bring something to this offense more dynamic than Wilkins Hines. And uh, they brought up Jeremy McNichols, who only had four yards, just because none of these guys seem to be doing anything 
rushing-wise. I know this offensive line is poor, but this is just getting to be a little bit ridiculous on the rushing with the Colts. Uh, Receiving-wise here, quite a couple guys came through for them. So obviously T.Y., the number one there, 115 yards in the air, did get injured though and is expected to miss this week already, which I think is bad news. Hopefully it's not anything too serious for him. You know, it is it's extremely hard to predict with hamstring injuries, obviously, um, and they've already come out and said that it's unlikely he plays this week, probably because it's a Thursday night game. Uh, so that's really going to hurt them going forward um, just as an offense as a whole. Uh, Ryan Grant, 64 yards here. We also had um, Chester Rogers get 85 yards here. But the surprises, Naheem Hines, two touchdowns on 63 yards. And this goes back to what we talked about earlier in the preseason, Naheem Hines being a great uh, uh, back in the um, uh, hurry-up offense. He's just... He excels in that. He's a great catcher of the ball, really good receiving out of the backfield. I do think he's an underrated runner as well. But the work he did in college receiving out of the backfield was just amazing, and he proved it here in this game, obviously, with the two touchdowns. We also had Eric Ebron come through 40 yards and uh, a touchdown here, and I think as long as Jack Doyle's out, that's just going to continue to happen. Um, likely Doyle doesn't play again this week, so Ebron's just going to be used as a slot wide receiver and, and in that tight end role as well as long as Doyle's out. And then Zach Pascal came through, especially once T.Y. came off the field due to injury, 56 yards and a touchdown. I don't see him being a huge fixture uh, going forward, I think it was really just a, a product of how poor this Houston defense is in this Houston secondary. Uh, but still, you know, someone to touch on is he, he, uh, he obviously did have a fairly good game. The next game, we had the uh, one and three Buffalo Bills being shut out by the two one and one Green Bay Packers, zero to 22. On the Bills side here, thing on the Bills side here. So Josh Allen looked uh, just like the Josh Allen we all expected him to be. 151 yards and two interceptions. Uh, just didn't look great here. The uh, Packers defense is much better than I think people give it credit for, especially those corners. And Jair Alexander had a nice pick of Josh Allen in this game. Sean McCoy is continuing to struggle this year with just 24 yards on the ground. Uh, this could have been due to the fact that the uh, Packers got up on him so quickly. Uh, they moved away a little bit from the rushing game. And the fact that he has the uh, the cartilage injury in his ribs, I think, probably limited him some as well. But I just I, I don't see McCoy doing much this year after, after these first couple games. This offense just looks horrible. Offensive line is beat up. I think this is just going to be a, a year where the Bills just do what they can, but they're clearly playing for the future. McCoy is not part of those plans, and I just don't see him really producing anything. So if you picked him, hopefully most of you were able to draft him in like the fourth or fifth round due to the off-field allegations going on against him during most of the draft season because I don't think he's going to return much of anything in the in the RB2 category. Receiving-wise here, uh <clears throat> Charles Clay had himself a, a decent game, just 40 yards. Zay Jones, same 38. And then Kelvin Benjamin, 34, all on one catch. Uh, he did come out of the game with an injury but was inserted back in, and they said that he was good to go. I mean, again, I don't trust any of these guys on this offense. It's just it's looked really bad. If I had to pick one, I would take Zay Jones, but I would not feel good about it, and I would not feel good starting him until these guys can show they can do something 
which I honestly don't think is going to happen this year. Uh, on Green Bay's side of things here, so Aaron Rodgers, 298, a touchdown interception. Looks good on a couple of runs here. Uh, he did rack up about 31 yards rushing. Uh, I think that knee is slowly starting to heal. I'm sure that they cannot wait to get to their bye week in week seven to really give Rodgers a full week off of his leg. But I feel like that leg has just been... It's been progressively getting better every week. I mean, if you just go back and watch some of the runs he made last week, he was limping really bad. This week, you could barely notice the limp. So hopefully that's just good news and that Rodgers is getting better, even though he said he thought the injury might get worse over time. In the rushing game for the Packers here, so Aaron Jones coming through big with uh, 65 yards on 11 carries. Jamal Williams just 11 yards. I'm sorry, 27 yards on 11 carries. Jones looked really good here, 55.9 average. Just we, I've said all offseason long, he's the much better running back. I think he's just going to continue to get an increased workload here. I understand why the coaches were hesitant to give him the ball last week and this week due to the fact that he hadn't really quote-unquote earned his spot because he had missed most of the offseason and everything with the off-the-field issues. But I don't know how they can keep denying giving this kid the ball because he is truly a talented runner. Uh, receiving was here, Devontae Adams and Geronimo Allison were really the only guys of consequence. Uh, both put up uh, 80 yards, Adams with 81, Allison with 80 uh, Adams on eight catches, Allison on six. Other than that, though, I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the uh, law firm of the uh, Green Bay Packers, did get himself uh, 38 yards, but it all came on the one catch. Ty Montgomery, 56 on two. So really nothing else going on here besides those two, and then your running backs in Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. The next game up, we have the Lions. Uh, the one and three lines losing to the two and two Dallas Cowboys, twenty four to twenty six. This was an a cre an, an really interesting and fun game to watch. I was not expecting it at all. I really thought the Lions would have the Cowboys number, but I did, as I talked about on Friday's podcast. Uh, how good this Dallas defense has been and how underrated they've been. I don't think anybody's really talking about them as a top defensive unit. Uh, they really did a good job of slowing down Matt Stafford. He did put, still put up 307 yards and two touchdowns, um, but just looked good. Carry on Johnson, 55 yards on nine carries with the touchdowns. The first time in a long time since the Lions have scored a rushing touchdown. You know, follows up this 100-yard game with a good game. Obviously, a lot of people were hoping he'd go over 100 again to kind of open up that streak and say, hey, you know, we still have a running game. We can do this and that. Now, wasn't able to do it, like I said, just the 55 yards, but I thought he looked much better than uh, Blunt, who only got 12 yards, and Riddick, who got 7. So hopefully, Carrion's going to continue eating into these guys' roles at the top of the lineup and then force his way in, especially with the way he's been playing lately. Receiving-wise here, I mean, what can I, what else can you say about Golden Tate? Now see that? That's the kind of winning attitude that's going to take this enterprise straight to the top. And while they may not be on their way to the top, I mean, just Golden Tate just balled out. He did have a winning attitude against the Cowboys. 132 yards and two receptions, or two touchdowns. The uh, the 45-yard one was just awesome. I love the little taunting in the face a little bit. I know a lot of people didn't like that. I thought it was awesome. Kenny Galladay just coming through again with 74 yards. Didn't get the touch. Obviously, a lot of fans were hoping to get more than 74 yards out of him. Uh, but, you know, outproduced Marvin Jones yet again, who only had 56 yards. 
And uh, like I said, I think those two are going to really cannibalize each other all season long. Uh, while I expect Kenny Galladay to continue having better games than Marvin Jones, it would not surprise me if Marvin Jones has three or four games where he's just much better than Galladay because Galladay is still kind of the three on that offense behind Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. And again, just Golden Tate, I mean, my goodness, son, just just rolling over that Dallas defense for 132 yards. It was extremely impressive. Uh, on the Cowboys side of things here, I mean, Dak finally won himself a game. You know, they they put him in position to do something, gave a just a beautiful on-the-spot throw to Zeke down the sideline who caught it over his shoulder. It was a great play all around. Uh, Dak kind of trying to get that monkey off of his back that he can't win big games, especially with winning this one right here. I think it's good for him, good for the team uh, moving forward. Zeke Elliott had himself a huge game here. 152 yards on 25 rushes and then 88 catches for 40, uh, 88 Yards on four catches with a touchdown again. Most of that coming on the 38-yarder to um, Zeke from Dak over the shoulder in the fourth quarter to kind of help the uh, Cowboys seal this win. Uh, Receiving-wise here, there's really not much to talk about in my opinion. I mean, Cole Beasley came through with 53 yards. Michael Gallup, 45. I do like the way Michael Gallup looks again in this game. I really hope they can find a way to scheme this dude open and away from two cornerbacks or getting both teams and see what he can do in the open field. Uh, Jeff Swain got the touchdown here, 39 yards. Uh, Looked okay. Not super excited about any tight end in Dallas unless they bring on some elite star from another team so for me right now I mean it's still a waiting game to see what happens with these guys but Jeff Swain did score this week other than him though really not much going on Alan Hearns just 30 yards Tavon Austin nothing uh Rod Smith nothing and Rico Gathers nothing uh on to the second to last uh game here today uh the the 2-2 two and two Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting destroyed by the 3-1 and one Chicago Bears, 10-48. So this game right here was just, I mean, just horrible for the Bucs side of things here. So Ryan Fitzpatrick started out, uh, started the game, finished with 126 yards in the air with the touchdown before Jameis Winston came in after halftime, put up 145 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. This defense was just getting after the Buccaneers all game long. I was really kind of surprised to see them struggle as much as they did here. Um, rushing the ball, they finally gave Ronald Jones a chance to prove himself. Just 29 yards on 10 carries. Just looked bad yet again. Uh, this offensive line is all beat up. Can't do much. Until they can start opening up holes, I don't see how any of these running backs are going to succeed. Especially Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber, who... Peyton Barber, I think, is just average. I do think Ronald Jones has a lot of talent, but if he's not given the opportunity to produce, he's going to move on, uh, or the team will probably move on from him, uh, which is just uh, sad because, I mean, this dude was a high-end second-round draft pick. I, I just can't see why he can't get on the field. I do think this coaching staff is uh, just limited in knowledge, I think is a nice way to put it. I don't think they're very smart or very good at their jobs. Receiving-wise here, Deshaun Jackson, again, was the number one guy here, uh, 112 yards on five receptions. 
Uh, Cameron Break got the touchdown, but just 29 yards. But I do expect that kind of game to continue for him going forward as he's always been kind of Jameis Winston's fall guy. And with Winston already being announced as the starter in Week 6 against the Falcons, I would imagine he's going to continually lean on Break as long as Howard is out. Uh, you know, Mike Evans came, uh, I mean, he showed up to the game. He had 59 yards and six receptions, and that's about it. Adam Humphreys and Chris Godwin both played uh, decent, I guess. Uh, Adam Humphreys, 36 yards. Chris Godwin, 22. I mean, realistically, we... we I can't get too high on any of these guys until I can see what Winston can do. Uh, he's obviously been out because of the suspension. Ryan Fitzmagic was just great in the top first two weeks and then has really done nothing in these past two weeks. I know that he was leading a comeback against the Steelers last week, uh, but he wasn't able to complete it and I think struggled at times, especially with some of the interceptions that he threw. On Chicago's side of things here, I mean, Mitchapalooza, Mitch Trubisky just came through. 354 yards, six touchdowns, tied a franchise record uh, with six touchdowns in one game. Just looked awesome here. I'm sure some of it had to do with the fact that Tampa Bay's defense has just looked poor at times, but Mitch came to play. He played good, um, you know, kind of silencing his haters somewhat you know I was someone who verbally kind of said that I didn't uh, think he was that good a little overrated last week though I do think that he needs more time in this offensive scheme as it takes some quarterbacks a whole year to learn and he just lost his coach last year and got these new guys in in Charles Nagy and uh Mr. Helfrich. So with those guys coming in and installing a whole new offense, I did think it took it would take a little bit of time for Allen to get used to it. Uh, so or, I'm sorry, Allen Trubisky to get used to it. Uh, I thought he played really good here, and I'm I'm really thinking I'm really hoping he's taken that next step and is going to continue to produce. Uh, he also added 53 yards on the ground. Uh, and speaking of the ground game here, Jordan Howard. I mean, just what the fuck, man. Holy shnikes. The second week in a row, I was just completely wrong about this guy. I had really high hopes with the matchup here. He was going to be able to put up some yardage, especially if they got up on Tampa Bay. Just kind of feed the guy, let him close out the game. 25 yards on 11 carries. Are, are, are you kidding me, man? Like, what the hell is going on here? I'm just, I, I don't even know how to feel anymore about Jordan Howard. He frustrates the shit out of me. It's just ridiculous. Just another bad game. Hopefully, he's going to turn it around here because he's just got entirely too much talent to be this bad. Tariq Cohen just came through all day in this offense. 53 yards on the ground, 121 yards in the air, and the touchdown just looked great all around. In the receiving game here, again, Taylor Gabriel had a nice game. 104 yards in the air, two touchdowns. As we talked about Friday, uh, with Anthony Miller out, Taylor Gabriel is going to continue to get a huge workload because uh, he'll be in that slot corner, get a lot of great looks uh, every once in a while, move to the outside opposite of A-Rob. Uh, and with his speed and route running, should be able to get by some guys. And if Mitch can put it on him, he's going to put up numbers. And they were able to connect fairly well in this game against Tampa Bay. Trey Burton, obviously the huge 47-yard touchdown play. Uh, finished with 86 yards and a touchdown on just two catches. But 
looked good again. I'm not going to read too much into this as a lot of that did come on that one big play. Uh, but he definitely looks like he's going to be a tight end, uh, top 10 to 12 tight end. Looked really good in this game. I hope they continue to scheme more stuff open for him. And then Allen Robinson came through uh, somewhat for you as well with scoring a touchdown. Really is what saved his day, uh, but did get 23 yards in the air on two catches. Uh, other than that, though, I mean, Josh Bellamy had a, a touchdown, though I don't think he's very fantasy relevant unless you're in a really, really deep league and you've, you're reaching deep for wide receivers. All right, and then the last game to break down of the morning was a nice little fantasy football frenzy. Just a great all-around game if you watch it, a high-scoring game that we uh, we predicted last week, the... 3-1 and one Cincinnati Bengals beating the now 1-3 Atlanta Hawks 37-36. On the Bengals side of things here, I mean, Andy Dalton just coming through again. The red rifle is showing up every week. 337 in the air, three touchdowns, one interception, added 13 yards on the ground. He has been playing great in Bill Lazor's offense. I don't see that changing at all. We talked about last year how giving him a full year in this offense could make him uh, kind of that top 12 sleeper guy. Again, he's doing it so far this year. Loving what I'm seeing out of Andy Dalton. On the ground game here, Giovanni Bernard came through 69 yards and two touchdowns. Obviously, just continuing to roll in this uh, in this spot behind a uh, hurt Joe Mixon, as long as Mixon's out, as I've said before, Bernard is a must play. You cannot sit this guy. He proved it last year in the fantasy playoffs, and is continuing to prove that he can handle at least the workload while their main guy's out. But I'm I'm loving what he's doing here. Uh, in the receiving game, as we talked about on Friday's podcast, Tyler Boyd comes through yet again. 100 yards on 11 catches. Didn't score this week, but that's okay. 100 yards on 11 catches is a great game. A.J. Green returned uh, from a somewhat injury scare from last week, getting you 78 yards, a touchdown on four receptions. Touchdown coming on the 38-yard play. Uh, that was the longest of his uh, night. Uh, Sunday night just uh, green again continuing to produce I think he's going to continue to be a high-end top uh, wide receiver two to a uh, middle to bottom tier wide receiver one with his ability to go up and get the ball he's going to keep scoring he's going to be up there and then uh, John Ross came through with the touchdown here 52 yards uh, coming all on the 39 yard touchdown pass and Run just all around great play for Ross. Did look like he tweaked his groin though on the play. Was a little bit gimpy. They haven't said for sure how he's feeling yet. Uh, I would expect him to show up on the injury reports when they come out tomorrow, I believe. Uh, so, but definitely still a good game for Ross. Would love to see him get more involved in this offense as his speed is just ridiculous. I believe he ran like a four four something. Uh, you know, if they could get him kind of working the offense, maybe taking some some screen passes or, you know, just going deep and getting hit wide open like Andy Dalton did this week, it's gonna open up that offense more for AJ Green and Tyler Boyd. And then last but not least, Tyler Eifert, man, I feel so bad for this guy. So he gets the 38 yards and the touchdown, but breaks his ankle. And I mean, it was just a disgusting looking play. If you haven't seen it and you just have to see it, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, but just be warned, this is not for the faint of heart, not for the easy queasy people, man. It's just his leg bends the other way, and it just looks horrible. When he's sitting on the field, you can see his whole foot is pointed the wrong way or moved the wrong way. 
just disgusting. Really feel bad for him as I do think he has a chance to be just a top-tier elite talent at the tight end position and just can't seem to get over the injury bug. And I could honestly see this kind of be in the end of his career. I know he's still young. You know, he he is 28, so, you know, not super young, but still fairly young age for a football player. But this is just going to be, I, I can't. I can't imagine he'll be back with the Bengals next year with uh, with this injury. Uh, so that is it. So uh, that'll do it for the Monday night. I'm sorry, the Sunday game reviews uh, for fantasy. And then what I'm going to do before I jump into the Monday night game is just kind of give you guys the the top ten finishers every week. So. At quarterback, we had Mitch Trubisky, Jared Goff, Andrew Luck, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Deshaun Watson, Marcus Mariota, Matt Ryan, Andy Dalton, and Mr. Blakey Bortles, uh, baby. At running back, we had Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, James White, Tariq Cohen, Mike Frickin' Davis, Melvin Gordon, Naheem Hines, Giovanni Bernard, Todd Gurley, and then Nick Chubb, who scores a touchdown on every play, or at least every time he's given the ball. At a wide receiver, we had uh, Cooper Cup, Golden Tate, DeAndre Hopkins, Taylor Gabriel, Corey Davis, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, Brandon Cooks, and Sterling Shepard. Uh, oh, and I almost forgot about the tight end position because that does technically matter for fantasy. Uh, the top tight ends this week, Jared Cook, George Kittle, Zach Ertz, Trey Burton, Eric Ebron, Tyler Eifert, Darren Fells, Jer- G- Jeff Swain, and Cameron Brayton, and Antonio Gates. Jeez, I struggle with that dude's name. I swear it's G-off, but in the broadcast the other day I heard them calling him Jeff, so I'm just going to stick with what they say. All right, and now for the Monday night game. So we have the 3-0 Kansas City Chiefs going up against the 2-1 Denver Broncos. On Kansas City's side here, I mean, obviously it's all about Patrick Mahomes and Ty Freak Hill. These two, you know, they've made great connections throughout the year. Obviously struggled a little bit last, uh, throughout the year, throughout these first four weeks. Uh, Hill struggled somewhat last week. Obviously, didn't get on the board. Still had a nice catch jumping over two defenders. I don't see them hooking up a lot in this game. I think this Broncos defense is very good. I think they're a little underrated in how people keep talking about how the Chiefs are just going to walk all over them. I personally don't see that happening. I do see the Chiefs finally relying on Kareem Hunt a little bit more, though. They have kind of failed to use him uh, frequently. I do see uh, Mr. Todd uh, Mike goodness what am I thinking of right now Tyreek Hill not Todd Hill Tyreek Hill having himself a an okay game here I do think this Denver defense is still good in, in an elite secondary and an elite team altogether defensively um Sammy Watkins I could also see having a decent game here not not quite as big as he did last week but still a good game um you know Kareem Hunt uh, it, just for me to trust uh, if you've got him you're starting him he was Drafted as your number one running back, obviously, a first-round pick. Uh, I just don't see him going off in this game. I think he's going to have to score if you want to get points from him. On Denver's side of things here, Case Keenum, I mean, if you have to start him, go ahead. I think he's a below-average quarterback. Wide receiver-wise, I expect this to be more of an Emmanuel Sanders than a DT game, though neither 
I wouldn't be surprised if both these guys go off as the Chiefs' defense is just poor all around. Uh, and I expect this to not necessarily be a shootout, but a, a higher scoring affair than usual, at least that you would expect when you see a Kansas City Chiefs defense or team playing up against a Denver Broncos team. Um, for the running backs, uh, I do think Philip Lindsay is going to have himself a good game here. I do expect the Broncos to be behind, and they will use Lindsay as their hurry-up back and their receiving back. Royce Freeman is likely going to have himself a good game here as well. Um, and then uh, for last thing on the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey. I forgot to touch on him. Uh, I don't. I actually don't expect him to have a big game here either, uh, getting paired up against some of these linebackers for Denver. Um, I actually have Denver winning this game here, as I do think this will be the first game Patrick Mahomes Holmes actually starts to struggle uh, playing against a good defense in their home stadium. I know he's had three amazing games. Dude is a legit quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Let's not build his Hall of Fame bus just yet. I think he comes back to earth a little bit against this Denver Broncos team. So, all right, guys, that is going to do it for us today on the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast, breaking down the early Sunday games and giving you the top 10 finishers at each position this past weekend in fantasy. Please come back tomorrow as I'll break down the afternoon games uh, for Sunday, the Sunday night game. I'll also break down the Monday night game. Uh, I'll go ahead and jump into some college football stuff Tuesday. Um, and I think that'll probably maybe answer some emails. I saw I got quite a few emails over this weekend. We'll, we'll talk some emails tomorrow as well. And then, of course, check out John Hamler's podcast as well tomorrow for all your waiver wire suggestions and your hold them and fold them and his breakdown on his take on the Monday night game. So, again, guys, thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us today, and I will talk to you guys again tomorrow. Peace. Thank you again for listening to the Fantasy Roundtable podcast. Check us out on Twitter, FLA Blog on Medium, and come back tomorrow for our brand new episode. Have a great day, guys.